Relax. I'll tell you a little story. This is true. This is actually true. Um, so, you know, some of us have pythons for pets, right? Anybody has a python, pet python? Anybody? Anybody? All right. You do? You had one? Oh, I had one too. That's good. Look at that. So I had a pet python. It was a ball python. It, was, it wasn't uh, full grown yet um, at the time. But uh, we see pythons and we think of, you know, the big ones that the guys walk around with around their neck. People don't really do that as much anymore. That was something back in the 90s that people used to do, like walk around with their snakes and stuff. But um, we think python, we think that. In Brazil, they look at that and they're like, python. That's just a little baby. The pythons in Brazil are enormous, huge. And so what happens is when you have peace corpsmen that, you know, like that would go and travel to different countries, when those that were going to serve in Brazil were given training for not only the people, but the terrain. And when it came to pythons, they were given specific instructions on how to survive an encounter with a python. And this is the advice given to them. So after today, we should all be able to survive if we were ever encountering one of those big Brazilian pythons. Let's see if we can do it, though. He says this, remember not to run away because a python is faster than you. And it will catch up to you. And it will wrap you up. The thing you need to do is lie down. Look at that. Half of y'all like, mm-mm, lie down. No, you need to lie down. Lie down with your arms and legs tucked like this and your head flat on the floor. And, and just lay down straight on the floor. Back on the floor, your feet together, arms by side, your head down. What will happen now, if this is a normal, everyday python, which is no guarantee, right? The python will go towards you and will begin to try to go underneath you. Like its head will just kind of poke and poke. And he wants to get under you to then wrap around you. If you stay still, the chances are his efforts, he'll just be like, all right, let me, let me go a different route. The different route is this. He will begin to open his mouth and start to swallow you, starting by your feet. Relax. <laughs> Don't panic. Let him swallow your feet. This is the advice given to the corpsman. Stay calm. Relax. Breathe as calmly as you can. Right? Because your breathing will let the python know that you're still alive. So you don't want to like, you know, I mean, you breathe. It starts to swallow your legs. And you have to let him swallow you up. Now, they say it's quite painless. Right? They say it's quite painless, but it takes a very long time. You know, has anyone ever seen a snake like swallow up uh, an animal? Right? When they're really small... Is, but when these pythons, they have to kind of like this look, they, they, they dislocate things and they open up really wide and they start to, to swallow you up. And it says, just stay calm, relax, let him swallow you up until he gets up to your knees. So you're going to let the snake come up to like right about here. Now, in this moment, now, now listen, you got to relax. Because if the sec even while he's there, the second you begin to, uh, then what happens is if you like, if you sit up all of a sudden, he'll wrap and grab you and squeeze you with the rest of his body, and you're completely done because you're half in his mouth already, and the other half of you is going to be uh, squeezed up, right? So, so you can't like panic. When he's up to your knees, this is the moment. That you grab your knife. Half of you are like, well, I don't have a knife. <laughs> this is the moment you grab your knife. You grab it from wherever it is. Hopefully it's not, hopefully it's not a boot knife. <laughs> because if it is, you're out of luck. You grab your knife. And at this moment, you're, you grab your knife 
And, and they say this. They say, um, take out your knife and insert it into the stretched side of his mouth. Ugh! And then pull. And you rip him open on the side like that, right? And that should solve your problem. And then you pull your feet back out and you can walk away. <laughs> now we all know how to survive pythons, right? I see a couple things wrong with this for me. Because I don't know, I, I can't relax just telling that story, right? So what happens is this. How, how, what if you don't have a knife? You can't run. You can't play dead because he's going to swallow you. So I don't know. I mean, I, just, I, guess, I guess you just, you know, hopefully a car is close by and you can run to the car. I don't know. I don't know. Can you stay still long enough? Because remember, it takes time for him even to get there. So the whole time you have to stay calm and relaxed. Will you be fast and strong enough? Will you have the stomach enough to stab this python? What if you go and you, oh, I don't know how to do it. And it was wrapped up and, you, and it's, it's curtain. It's too late. Because you hesitated. You hesitated. You were more worried about the python's life than your life. For our tree huggers and activists. Sorry, I don't want to offend nobody. <laughs> Will you faint the second you stab <laughs> That's it, you're dead. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, guys. Today's sermon has nothing to do with pythons. It doesn't. But it's titled Relax. I came across this, this story, and I was like, you know what? I, I need to read this because many of us can't relax. And in this case, if you can't relax, then you will die according to the instructions that they're given, right? So then this is the thing. We're going to read a story today in the Word of God, and it's going to, uh, as we read it, we're going to see how Jesus pretty much tells someone to relax. Let's turn to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Man, she's got, you know, pretty, she's pretty tough telling Jesus what to do. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, hmm, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Martha, Martha, Martha. Hmm. Martha was a doer. She was a worker. You know, she was a busy woman. She was busy, busy, busy. She welcomed Jesus into her home. She was going to feed him. You know, we're going to have lunch, and, you know, Jesus don't come alone. You invite Jesus, you got 12 other guys showing up. Ever, ever happen to you? You invite somebody, and like, oh, 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 you, oh, you brought so-and-so. Great, come on in. Oh, and so-and-so, and also, and oh, oh, this, oh there's, there's 12 of you. Oh, there's 13 of you. Okay, so here's, Mar here's Martha, and she's hustling. She got 13 guys. She's cooking. She's cleaning. She's preparing the whole house. You know how some of you guys get a little OCD when people are coming over, right? And it's like, you know, everything, perfect, perfect. Listen, mostly people don't care if it's like, got to be that perfect. People really don't care. They just want to hang out. If they're going to your house, they just want to be with you. They really don't care if the house is perfect. Okay, for those that are in bondage with that, I want you to be set free today in the name of Jesus. All the men say. So, so listen, 
So here she is, hustling, cleaning, cooking, putting everything together. She's probably like, you know, bringing the scriptures and putting them on the table, you know, as, as, as a good Christian, you know, as a good uh, follower, a good disciple. She's got the scripture on the table. So when Jesus walks in, oh, I see you've been reading, Martha. Oh, okay. I won't be playing. Don't say that. She's making sure, she's making sure that everything is taken care of. And all this time that she's doing this, Mary is just hanging out, sitting at Jesus' feet. That's all she's doing, listening to him speak. And Martha's like, whoa, 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 I thought we was in this together. I thought we invited them over. How am I going to be stuck doing all the work and you just get to hang out with Jesus? There's something wrong here. There's something wrong here. We're in this together. It says that Martha was distracted. It's interesting how the Bible uses that word. It doesn't say that she was busy. It says that she was distracted with much serving. She even snapped at Jesus. She even snapped at Jesus because she was so distracted and she was so frustrated. Do we know people that get overwhelmed and start snapping at other people when they, when they got too much going on in their lives? You know, like, you know, you just go up to them and say, hey, would you like this? What do you want? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was just asking if you needed this. That's all I was saying. That's, you know, people will snap. They get frustrated. They get angry when they're overwhelmed, when, when they're frustrated, right? Why was she so distracted? Why was she so busy? All this busyness in life, you know, the, we, 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 we do understand that it's no secret if you, if you study here that Martha, you know, Mary, Lazarus, this whole crew, they, 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 weren't, they weren't at the poverty level. They were wealthy, right? If you, study, if you study them, you'll realize that they were a wealthy family. And um, in those times, wealthy families had servants. You know, they didn't do things for themselves, they had people that would cook. They had people that would clean. They had people that would take care of the house duties. There were p- people that would tend to the, to the animals, to the, to the crops. In these times, they had those that they would pay to do these things. But yet, we read that Martha's doing this on her own. She's doing this herself. Something is going on inside of her, right? Her inner state of her heart had manifested outwardly. I want us to hear this stuff because Jesus says this to her. He says, Martha, you're worried and troubled. Worried and troubled. Worried saying or worried being like uh, drawn in different directions. And, 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 and this word denotes a inward uneasiness, worriedness. Troubled, disturbed, this word denotes an outward confusion uh, the bustle, hustle and bustle. Jesus, by saying this, what he did was he cut straight to the problem. The problem wasn't that Mary was not helping her. She had her own issues because he says, you are worried. He says, Martha, Martha, he said, you are worried and troubled. He cut right to the, he cut right to the problem. Many of us, sometimes we, 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 uh, feel that there are problems in our lives, right? Or there are problems with certain people in our lives. And the reality is that we need to take a moment and self-reflect to see what is wrong with us. She was coming at Mar and Mary, but there was something wrong with her. Worried and troubled, Jesus says to her. Mary wasn't lazy. She wasn't lazy. She just knew how to prioritize. I mean, if you know Jesus is coming, I handle all that stuff before he gets here. But when he gets here, what's up, Jesus? She knew how to prioritize. You know, she, she, she knew. Uh, well, Jesus says that the one thing is needed, and Mary chose that good thing. Mary was commended. Jesus commended her for sitting by his feet and listening. Let's turn to, first, uh, to John chapter 12, John chapter 12, verse 1 and 8, 1 through 8. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he had risen from the dead, 
There they made him a supper, and Martha served. And Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this, he, he, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. Did you guys know that Judas was a thief? Some of you are like, oh, I didn't know that. He was stealing while he was like, all right, all right, all right we'll talk about that now. How do you steal while in the company? Okay. But Jesus said, let her alone. Mm-hmm. She has, oh, Jesus knew he was stealing this whole time. And then saying, okay. That, that, that's a Bible study discussions. Go to Bible study discussions. All right. Um, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Again, what do we see? Martha serving right? He says Martha was serving, everybody was sitting, and then we see again, where's Mary? At the feet of Jesus. And this time, she's just not listening. This time, this time, she is pouring a bottle of this perfumed oil onto his feet. Now, the thing is, the reason why Judas, you know, he, he flipped out and all was because the, the value of this oil was one year's worth of salary. So imagine your wife goes out and buys a $50,000, $60,000 perfume. Some of us will have a heart attack already, right? And then if you didn't have a heart attack when she bought the perfume, you'll have a heart attack watching her just pour it all out after she spent fifty dollars to $60,000 on a, on a, on a, on a perfume completely on Jesus' feet. Now, Jesus or not, some of you guys would have been like, hmm, let me run over to Canal Street real quick, buy the knockoff brand. <laughs> Canal Street is a Chinatown in New York. You can buy anything, name, brand. Oh, this is a very expensive perfume. It cost me $2,000, Canal Street, 20 bucks. Anyways, Jesus commended her because her relationship was more important than serving at that moment. Martha needed to learn how to relax and find rest in the Lord. Many of us here today need to learn how to relax and find rest in the Lord. Mary had learned to prioritize she had discovered that resting in the Lord is an inner quality. And although there is turmoil all around her, and although we live in a society that has so much going on every day, there's something, and there's killing, and there's murder, and there's rape, and there's thief, and, um, thieves, and, 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 and fires, and, 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 and all sorts of mess around us every day on a daily basis. On a daily basis, there's always something going on. You can still find rest. Rest can be maintained if we, if we continue the principles that the Word gives us, if we follow what God wants us to do in moments like these. Let's talk about the things that causes unrest in our lives. What are some of the things that get us anxious, that get us frustrated, that get us worried, you know? Um, unrest, the key word, worry. What worries us in life? First thing is we worry about the basic necessities because they're the basic necessities. We got to have it. We got to have food. We got to have clothes. You know, we got to do these things. And if I don't have food, if I don't have clothes, I get unrest. There's unrest, right? Matthew 6, 25 through 32 says this. 
Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. Man, how can you not worry about your life? I don't know. Word says to not worry about it. Okay, let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? How many of you guys are going to get taller in life? Uh, let me see. Uh, Zeke, got some, Zeke got some time to grow. Damien has a little bit. Zach, I think you're done. I think you're done, Zach. Nathaniel, you got some time. But for the most part, all of us are done growing. Worrying is not going to help. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Neither, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today which, is, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, oh, you of little faith, therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. This is, this is hard for us. It's hard for me. If anybody likes to be in control, it's hard because we're being told not to worry, but then I have to know what we're going to do. I have to know what we're going to eat. I have to know what I'm going to wear. You know, and so what happens is because we have these control factors and, and because also fear will creep in and, and fear will be like, oh, you got no food. You're going to die. You don't have a new coat. You're going to freeze this winter. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and so what happens is fear will creep in and will intensify it will intensify what your current situation is, right? And so what happens is you hear, here we see not to worry about these things because our minds are not, our minds were not created or developed to be preoccupied with the acquiring of basic necessities in life. God doesn't want our minds to be occupied all the time with worrying about the basic necessities of life. The birds don't uh, put their, their the, you know, uh, food into barns. They don't stack up, and yet they eat every day. They eat every day. That's hard for us because we still have to find the balance of being responsible and planning but not letting it overwhelm your mind, not letting it be your main focus in life. See, that's God's problem. The, the word says that your heavenly father knows that you need these things. What parent knows that their child needs something and then doesn't give their child what they need? One thing is what they want, but when you know your child needs something, you give it to them. And if you can't, you do everything. You do anything in your power to make sure they get it as a parent. And if, if it says my heavenly father knows that I need these things, then he's going to get it to me. You see this work, eat, sleep, work, eat, sleep, work, eat, sleep. Work. I was about to do the robot, but I didn't want to, you know. Like God didn't want us to, he, he didn't want us to, it was never intended God's intention for us was not to fall into this work, eat, sleep cycle of life. Do you think God created you just so you can work, sleep, and eat? Did God create you for that? Did God create us to work, eat, and sleep every day? We are here with purpose. You have gifts given to you by the Holy Spirit for purpose. The body of Christ needs the edification, 
right? When we all come together using our gifts, it brings purpose to the body. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, we were not designed to just work, eat, and sleep. And when your life is just that, you are missing out. And you know what? I'm I'm, going to take it a step further. Not only are you missing out, you are robbing someone from encountering a powerful God because you are not walking in your gift. And you will, help, you will be held accountable before God one day. And that sounds scary. It's, it sounds horrible. But you're going to stand before God one day. What's up? I made it. Woo. And he's like, okay, you're here. But I, I, I'm disappointed. You're here because the scriptures say how we get to heaven, right? It's accepting Christ, receiving him into our heart, Right? Believing that he is the son of God, that he rose from the dead, right? When we, when we, when we accept him, receive him, right? That's our, that's our, our, our salvation is found in him. And but, but, but then we should take it a step further and we as disciples of Christ should desire to please him, continue pleasing him by giving and working with what he's given us. That won't be the case for everybody. And some people will go before God and, and he'll be like, oh, you wasted this amazing gift that I gave you. You know how many people would have loved to have this gift? This talent that was, that was I, I gave it to you for purpose. Did you know if you would have walked in this gift, the impact that you would have made for the kingdom of God? One day we have to stand before God and he's going to go down the list and he's gonna, we're going to be held accountable for our actions, for the things that we did and the things that we did not do that we should have done. Work, eat, sleep. Yes, I know we can get caught up in it, but we were not designed for work, eating, and sleeping. We do that in between. We're here for our purpose. All right. We worry when we think about the future too much. When we think about the future, far future, it causes unrest in us. Because sometimes we have certain uh, specific goals for the future, and when we look at our life right now, there's no way I can get this. And what does that do? It causes unrest. It causes worry. It causes frustration. It causes us to, 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 like, to, to stress out. And there's a saying, no bird ever tried to build more nests than its neighbor. No fox ever stressed out because he only had one hole in which to hide. No squirrel ever died of anxiety because he was only able to put aside for one winter instead of two. No dog ever lost sleep over the fact that he did not have enough bones for his declining years. Meaning, the dog wasn't worried about the bones that he doesn't have for five years in the future. He's happy now with what he has now. When we worry about the future, when we worry, listen, listen, Planning for the future and preparing are essential. But we need to be careful that our minds don't get cluttered with the planning and with the worrying and with the frustrating of the future. Do you guys understand that? We plan because we have to be responsible. We have to be responsible with whatever God gives you. The resources, the money that God has blessed you with, you need to be responsible with that. You need to be good stewards of your, of your finances, like, as the Bible tells us, to be good stewards of what we have. And so those things are important. But worry, unrest, fretting for the future, God doesn't want us to do that. He doesn't want us to do that. We have to learn to leave the future in God's hands. Listen, I'm going to tell you this. There have been people that have been, that have really worked hard. They've planned hard. They've invested hard. They've prepared. And then they lose everything. You, ha- you heard people that win the lottery and they're broke. 
stories of people that win the lottery and then they're broke years later. You got guys that were in the NFL, in the Major League Baseball, and they're broke today. Broke. Now, a lot of it has to do with, you know, the mismanagement of their funds. But, but I'm telling you right now, there are guys that will do everything right and still end up broke sometimes. Especially if God is trying to get your attention and your God becomes money. The quickest way to grow broke is to make, God your, uh, make money your God. That will be the quickest way to grow broke. Because we serve a jealous God. And he'll take it from you. I'm sorry, he'll do it. Even positive things in our lives, right? They overwhelm us. They can be uh, anxious. You know, like my future husband, my future wife. <laughs> you know, and, and you're thinking about the future. You're thinking about the future. It causes anxiety for some people. For the single people in the room, I'm not going to look. But I know it could be, be stressful. You know, it could, be, it could be a little anxious. You know, you could be, you know, thinking about the future, thinking about the future husband, the future wife. You know, it, it can cause some anxiety. And God doesn't want you to be filled with that anxiety. He doesn't want that. I know, I know, I'm not looking. There's rest in God that you can never fully enter if your mind is overwhelmed with something that should be in God's hands in the first place. How can we find rest in God when we are just overwhelmed with things that he's like, yo, I'm supposed to handle that. I'm supposed to handle that. Don't get me wrong again. I said, like I said, I want you guys to know, plan things. Give things think things through. Pray about everything. But once you've made decisions, leave it in God's hands. Leave it alone. There's, no, there's nothing that can come out of constant worrying about the outcome. Constant worrying <laughs> that's what, listen, Martha, he said, you're troubled and worried. And so what happens is when we're living under constant worry, we are distracted from what we're supposed to be doing. Worrying about what has to be done causes unrest. And there's so many distractions that happen in this life. Martha, we said, the Bible says, was distracted. And how many distractions do we see these days? You know, um, Good things can be distractions, houses, uh, housework, cars, you know, um, our talents can be distractions. What do you mean our talents? Well, if, if your son or daughter is really good at sports, that could be a distraction. Because Monday you go to this team, Tuesday you go to this team, Wednesday you go to this team, this practice, this practice, that practice, this game, that game, before you're like, man, I haven't been in church in three months. Hey, I like sports. I'm not against it. Matter of fact, my daughter told me the other day, what did she say? We gave her an option. My wife was like, you want to go to ballet? And I was like, you want to do MMA, karate? And she was like, karate. <laughs> I was like, well, I won that, I won that argument. <laughs> so she's going to turn five in, in May, and so we're going to have a little karate kid at home soon. Um, so pray for us. Pray for us. But it's not bad to have your kids in activities. The kids need that. They need music. They need arts. They need performing. I mean, it's good to develop their mind, sports, stuff like that. But when it, it becomes a distraction, when it takes your eyes off of Jesus, when it keeps you from, from fellowshipping with other believers, when it keeps you from reading, when it keeps you from praying, when it keeps you from from desiring more of him, then it's become a distraction. Ministry can become a distraction. Social media, sports, TV, all that can be distractions. Again, they're not wrong, but when, they're, when they mean more to you, when, the, when there's a greater importance in those things than in God, it's a distraction. Now, we, sometimes we distract ourselves on purpose to relax, Right? We try to take our mind off of things. We want to relax, and so we watch TV. How, how many of us watch TV to relax sometimes, right? Well, let me tell you something about that. I'm guilty. I watch TV to relax. But according to some article, I don't know exactly who wrote it, when they wrote it, but uh, <laughs> it isn't always the case. The article says that um, generally TV does not help you relax. 
It does not. It, what it actually does, it can make you tired, and it will build your stress levels. For example, we're watching a movie, right? The, uh, the main character, he breaks into a house, and he's looking through the, through the drawer trying to find the, the hard drive. And he's looking, he's looking. All the lights are off. He's got a little light. All of a sudden, the car pulls up in the driveway. And he's like trying to hide. He can't go. And he hides in the closet. And everybody's coming in. And he's hiding. And you're, you're like, oh, my God, they're going to find him. They're going to find him. They're going to find him. And you're stressed out. You're stressed. You're supposed to be relaxing. Well, you're not relaxing right now. You're stressed. Anxiety. Sweating. That's how you know it's a good movie too, right? You're like, when you're in it like that, right? Sweating and everything. <laughs> Watching sports on TV, we're not even going to say that it's relaxing. We're not even going to say that's relaxing. I've watched sports with some people, some of you guys maybe eat in this room, and it is not relaxing. <laughs> some of you guys get violent. We got to do an altar call after the games <laughs> to leave it all at the altar. So watching sports is not relaxing, but hey, I like to watch football games, but it's not going to relax me. I'm going to get hype. I'm going to get into it. Distractions are not the answer to relax. We look for distractions thinking that we will relax, and when it's not the answer, we only relax when we rest in the Lord. We get worried and we, and we get upset we get frustrated when we, um, when we get angry at the evildoers that they prosper, right? People that do wrong things, that do bad things, and then they seem to continue to grow, uh, get richer, or, or, or get more famous. You're like, how is this possible? There are certain politicians that we hear all the things that they've done. They're like, how are they still even running places in this, in this country? Like, How? How is this possible that they still are, are being voted to do this or do that? And, and, and the thing is, like, how do we know? On both sides. It's not a political party thing. It's a person problem. Like, there are people that are, like, doing I'm like, how is this possible? There are, there are um, investors. There are investors that how, like, they're getting away with what they're getting away. Uh, my son and I, we were talking about the, uh, you know, gentrification and things that are happening in the city and what's happening in Kensington and things like, and things like that. And it's not just coincidence that the way Kent, Kensington, Allegheny area is the way it is. You know, there are people with deep pockets that notice have kind of, kind of uh, centralized things. The property value is going down. People are losing their lives. They're dying. They're getting addicted to opioids. They're, they're people, I mean, families are being torn apart. This, it's, it's, it's not a conspiracy theory. Because we see what happened on, what was it, Front and Girard area, right? We see how that area is now, right? It wasn't always like that. It kind of looked like K&A. And if you look and you start to go further up Kensington, it, it has changed because they've already done what they did, what they're doing now in K&A, they've done up there. What happens is the property value goes down. The people with the deep pockets, they start buying these big commercial buildings. They build the condos. They build the townhouses. And so what's happening is they are profiting over the suffering of people. And they're getting richer and richer and richer. And some of us are like, how is this possible? God, how can you allow this? And we get angry. And it causes frustration. It causes, it causes us to, to, to worry about like, man, and I'm over here. Do, and you compare, and I'm living a good life, and I can't do that. And, and you start to compare. We worry about those that prosper, get away with things. You know, um, abusers and families that you know are abusing people and, and they, they seem to get away with it and, and you get frustrated because there's no, you, see like, you feel like there's no justice. Those that, that do crimes, serious crimes, those that murder people and, and some of us know people that are victims of crimes and they're, the, those that did the crime get off on technicalities. They get off on, the, on, on, well, they weren't arrested the right way and because they weren't arrested the right way, then they're free to go even though the world knows they did a crime. And, and, and it upsets us, and it gets angry, especially if your, your family was impacted by that crime. 
you got your turn signal on, doing things the right way, and someone behind you, shoot, shoot, shoot. You get angry. I was doing the right thing. How'd he get first? How'd he get that light? Psalms 37, 7 to 10, it says, be still in the presence of the Lord. Be still in the presence of the Lord. Relax. Find rest in the Lord. And wait patiently for him to act. Do not worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Don't lose your temper. It only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed. But those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. Soon the wicked will disappear through, uh, though you look for them, they will be gone. Don't be angry. God's going to take care of it. The word fret, right, in, in the Hebrew, it means like to kindle anger or for your anger to burn. You know, you ever notice that when you get to the point where your anger is burning, when it's kindled up, that at that moment is when that you have an attitude of questioning God? Think back to a moment. You got really angry. It burned up. It burned you up inside. And at that moment, you start to question how God could allow that. You start to question God. Don't be too holy. And act like y'all never did it. Some of us do that more frequently than others. We get upset and we question him. How could this be? Word says, don't worry. God will take care of it. Someone was like, no, but you don't understand. They're getting away with it. They're not getting away with it. They're not, you know what I'm saying? You, uh, nobody ultimately gets away with anything. Remember, we all will stand before God and give account. So j- these are several reasons why, um, these are just several reasons why uh, that will cause worry or unrest in our lives. And what happens is God's remedy for this inner turmoil. What is God's remedy? Matthew eleven twenty eight and 30. It says, come to me. So if, you're un- if you have unrest, if you can't relax, if you're worried, if you're frustrated, if you're angry, if you're bitter, if he, what does this, if the scripture says is come to me, all you who labor and are heavy, those that work hard and are stressing because they see some people that maybe not be working so hard. You know, it says come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take, upon my, take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. Some, say, some versions say comfortable, and my burden is light. So first, the first thing he's telling us is come to Jesus. Some of us need to first just come to Jesus. Some of us need to come to Jesus. We, you know, we're frustrated. If we want to relax, if you want to find rest in the Lord, the first thing is you got to come to Jesus. The source, the number one source, the only source of true peace because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Many people search for this inner peace <laughs> but over the Christ. We got so many new things for inner peace these days. What we got? What they sell in the store? They got crystals. They burn this stuff in your house. You know, uh, some kind of candles, um, yoga, uh, some kind of outer body experience meditation. All these things people will look for to find inner peace. And all those things I just mentioned is witchcraft, just just, just so y'all know. In case you didn't know, now you know. My people perish for lack of knowledge. Now, you shouldn't perish because I just told you. All those things, people will turn to it. Turn to it trying to find this inner peace when Jesus is peace. Listen, anything that tells you to empty your body, to empty your mind is diabolical. The Bible tells you to fill yourself with the word of God. I mean, so, so when so someone says, you got to empty yourself completely, you get out of your body, you're like, yo, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, because that is, that is, that is demonic. 
We are told as, as children of God to fill ourselves with his word, with his presence, with his Holy Spirit. We are, we are to be filled with God. So I don't want to empty myself when I'm supposed to be filled with God. Go ahead, empty yourself. Something else is going to fill it. It ain't going to be God. Uh, y- yes. Yes. 1 Peter 5, 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. He cares about you. He cares about you. Sadly, even for Christians, this, you know, Jesus sometimes is the last person we turn to because we think we can handle it. I'll take care of it. I'll handle it. I'll do it. And we don't turn to God. We don't turn to Jesus. You know, come to Christ. He says, cast your worries upon him. Relax because God is caring for you. All right, you take $100, you put it in the bank. Take $100 and you put it in the bank. Not too long after, a day later, you call the bank. Hey, I'm just calling up. I put $100 in my account yesterday. I uh, just want to make sure it's still there. Uh, yes, sir. Your $100 is still here. Uh, you, you, okay. All right, thanks. A day later. Hey, what's up? This is Vince. I just calling in. Uh, I, put I put $100 there a couple days ago. I know I called yesterday, but today's a different day. I just wanted to call and make sure that my $100 is still there. You make sure you didn't give it to anybody. Make sure no one else used it. And the bank's like, sir, your $100 is here. If you put $100 in the bank, right, it's going to be there. Unless you have some weird bank that's got all these extra fees and this and that, and they've taken money out of it. But this, that's besides the, the concept. You put $100 in there, the $100 is going to be there. Unless they, cl- they clone your ATM card and steal all that money from you, right? But God restored it, Amen. Your $100 will be there. Your money's going to be in the bank. No one's going to touch it. The bank's not going to use it for something. Well, they actually do use it for something else. But, but it's still there. It's still there. Should have used a different analogy. Uh, the thing is this. You don't have to call every day the bank to figure out if they still have 100 bucks. It's the same thing with God. You cast your worries upon him. You don't have to care. You don't have to check back to see if he's taking care. He'll take care of it. And the thing is, God is a lot safer than a bank. So if a bank, you put $100 into a bank and it's going to be there, you put your worries and, you know, you give your worries and cast your anxieties and all before the Lord, he's going he's to take care of it. He's going to handle it. He's going to manage it. The scripture says that uh, take upon my yoke. Listen, my yoke the yoke, what a yoke is, is a wooden cross piece that was put on and fastened on an ox, an oxen, to pull a cart or a plow. Without that yoke, it's harder to do that. Anybody ever try to pick something up by like a string that was really heavy? It, it like digs into your, to your hand. And you know what I'm talking about? You pick something up heavy that's got like a thin string. And, and, and when you pick it up, it, it digs into your, into your hand. You're like, ah, ah, you're carrying, but it's like hurting you. So imagine if an oxen had to, with a rope, pull a rope, just pull a cart or a plow. The rope would dig in to the oxen. It would, it would, it would it feel just like your hands when you pick something up. And so what a, what a plow, what, what a, a yoke does is it's a, a piece that goes around them, and the rope is attached to that. And what happens is now they can pull, and there's not digging into them. It's not hurting them. It's actually easy to pull because you know what it is. You ever put that string, and instead of pulling it, you put it in like a, in, a, in a handle. And once you have a handle, you're like, oh, this is not heavy at all. And you're able to carry it because the handle acts almost like the yoke acts when the oxen is pulling it. And so what God is saying, put my yoke on. It's going to be easy. The things that you're going right now, some of us are like this in life. Some of us are like this in life. And the, and, and the stress and the pressures of life are digging into us. The string, the, the pressures, the, the problems, they're causing, they, they, it's, it's hurting you it's holding you down and you're really not getting anywhere you're moving like this and like and god says put my yoke on it's easy it's comfortable (laughs) 
there are times that sometimes people actually, you know, they, they, they don't want to put the, the yoke of Christ on. They don't understand that it's there to help us, not hinder us. Christ tries to, he wants to take our heavy burden and replace it with his yoke. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. He says, easy. So why are we struggling? Why are we worrying? Why are we so anxious? Why are we stressing out? Let's relax and put on his yoke. Stop trying to do it on your own. The verse continues, said, learn from me. I'm almost done, guys. If we're going to learn to rest in the Lord, we have to learn from Jesus. The principles of God are liberating if you apply it to your life, if you practice them out. You know how you feel sometimes you want to get revenge on somebody? <sighs> and then you start plotting, you start planning, you start going through all the scenarios in your life, and your life is consumed with this plan and plot for revenge. And if you were to apply the principles of the scripture that says, says don't, Think that way because vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So now you're not overwhelmed with the thinking and the planning and the plotting and the all this because you know what? God will take care of that. God will take it's liberating. If we learn from Jesus, we learn what he is like. We'll learn that he can be trusted. If we learn from Jesus, you know, the reason why people don't trust Jesus is because they don't know him. How could you know him? How can you know who he is? How can you know what he's done? How can you know how much he loves you and then not trust him? That, that, that verse continues, it says, listen to the words of Jesus. Where do we find Mary? Sitting at Jesus' feet. Sitting at Jesus' feet. And we're going to close with this. I'm close. She was sitting at Jesus' feet, and she was listening to his words. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. Let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fail. Entering into the rest of the Lord has a lot to do with obeying and submitting to his word. Some of us right now are questioning why my life is in turmoil. We're questioning why things seem like out of whack. Why are not things aligned? Why are things just uh, a little overwhelming? Then guess what? Let, let's reflect, right? Let's make sure we're not troubled. Let's make sure we're not worried. Let's, let's go down the list, right? Let's make sure that, we, that, that we're, we're applying what the Word says, that we're holding on to these Scriptures. But then at the same time, are we submitting to the Word of God? One thing is to know it, to know about the Word of God, and another thing is to submit to the Word of God. Are we obeying His Word? Martha didn't mean harm. She gets a bad rap in this, though, I know. She didn't mean harm. You know, she's not a bad person. She was just doing what she thought was right. She thought it was right because deep down inside, her being worried and troubled and clouded, all this clouded her ability to choose what was right at the moment. He said that Mary chose the right thing. When we are worried, when we are full of anxiety, when we are full of all this stuff that the world, if we allow the world to affect us in that sense, it will cloud our ability to choose what is right. The way Martha was clouded at that moment to choose what was right, we too will be distracted from what God wants. How many of us are currently distracted by things of this world? Let's take a moment to think. Guys, stand, stand up in the, in the meantime, but have a... How many of us, how many of us right now can say there are some things that are distracted? Prayer team, please come up. How, how many things right now are distracting? Are distracting? Are we distracted by things in this world? Are we angry? 
Some of us are angry. We're angry. Things didn't go my way. Some people are, are prospering and they shouldn't be prospering. There are people in my, in my family that, that really, uh, they don't deserve that. They don't deserve this. How many of us are angry? How many of us are troubled? How many of us are anxious? How many of us are worried? Isaiah 30, in the first part of verse 15, says, This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says. Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be, you will, will you be saved. God wants you to have rest for your soul. Yet the Lord says that there is no peace for the wicked. Isaiah 48, 22 says that the Lord says there is no peace for the wicked. There's many of us today, some of us that are watching online, those that are here today, some of us are saying, I'm tired. I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. I've been doing things on my own strength way too long. I'm frustrated. I'm tired, and my tiredness is causing me to be angry. It's causing me to be frustrated. I'm distracted. I'm not serving the Lord like I should be serving. I'm not walking with God like I should be walking with him. I'm not reading. I'm not praying. I'm not, I'm not serving. This fast has been horrible. I, I've been trying, and somehow I've been distracted. I know some of you have confided in me and said, Pastor, I don't know what's going on. You know, I, I'm having trouble even, even praying or reading and, 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 and this fast. And I'm, I'm trying to. Some of us are distracted. Some of us are anxious. And you know, you know that right now, deep down inside, like, I don't want to keep living like this. I don't want to keep feeling this. I don't want to keep thinking these things. I want to be set free from this. And guess what? Today you can be set free from that. Today you can take your step of faith up to the altar and the altar is open right now. You can take a step of faith to the altar and say, Lord, I'm tired of doing this on my own. I'm tired of being frustrated. I'm tired of being angry. I'm tired of being distracted. I need you in my life. Take a deep breath. Take a step of faith. Take a step of faith right now and make your way to the altar because we want to pray with you this morning. We want to pray with you this morning. If you are feeling these things, if you're having trouble relaxing and finding rest in the Lord, take a step of faith. And find that rest in him today. The altar is open. It's time for you to say, I want to sit at the feet of Jesus. I want to hear what he has to tell me. Some of us haven't heard what he wants to tell you. He ha you haven't heard what he's trying to tell you because you're too busy with certain things. You're, too, you're just too distracted. You're too worried. You're too concerned. And God's like, I'm trying to talk to you. I'm trying to reach you. Don't be so busy that you don't have time to hear his voice. Be set free today from the bondages of anxiety, of worry, of fear today. Let's learn to relax in him and trust him. The altar is going to remain open as we continue to minister. And I challenge you not to let this day go by. Father God, right now, look at the hearts of each individual here today. Look at those that are watching online, Father. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for speaking to us. I thank you, Lord, for reminding me first that I need to relax. I need to just sit by your feet at, at times and just hear what you have to tell me. I cannot get so occupied with the busyness of life that I miss out on what you're trying to tell me. 
Forgive me, Lord, for the moments that I've been too busy. Forgive me, Lord, for the moments of serving so much that I don't take a moment to hear from you. Lord, convict our hearts today. Holy Spirit, convict our hearts today. Set us free, Lord, today. In Jesus' name. For those that have not accepted Christ today, Lord, if you're standing here, if you're watching online, if you haven't accepted Christ today, the Bible says that today is a day of salvation. Jesus died on the cross for you. While you were yet a sinner, he still died for you. He died on that cross and he rose on the third day because he defeated death. If you want to receive him into your heart today, say, Father God, I'm a sinner and I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, to come into my heart today. Without you, I, I'm nothing without you. Come into my heart today, Lord. Save me. Become my Lord and Savior. I know that you died on the cross for me. You rose on the third day. You defeated the grave. And it's through you that I have everlasting life. Help me to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus.